This is Front Row, and I'm your host, James Whiteside, principal dancer and choreographer with American Ballet Theater and the author of Center Center. Take a seat in the front row as I discuss the creative process and the business of creativity with the world's brightest stars. Alicia Graf Mack is the director of the dance division at the Juilliard School. She has enjoyed a long career of professional dancing as a lead dancer with Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater and as a principal dancer with Dance Theater of Harlem. She's danced for Alicia Keys, Andre 3000, John Legend, and Beyonce. Alicia graduated magna cum laude with honors in history from Columbia University, and she is a recipient of the Columbia University Medal of Excellence. She began her inaugural season as the director of the Juilliard Dance Division in the fall of 2018. She is the first woman of color and the youngest person to hold this position. In this episode, Alicia tells me about her incredible professional trajectory, from being a young dance student fighting an autoimmune disease, to attending Columbia University and ultimately going back to the world of dance, to be a star in multiple dance companies touring the world. And finally, what she had to go through to secure her position at Juilliard. Alicia is someone who takes the bull by the horns and doesn't let an opportunity go unexplored, all with heart and grace. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Welcome to Front Row, Alicia. Thank you. This is so exciting. It is. It really is. This is the very first season of Front Row, and I'm so happy to have you here. Today, I want to focus on your transition from performer to educator and administrator. So at 19, you were diagnosed with uh, ankylosing spondylitis. How do you say that? Ankylosing spondylitis. It was definitely a mouthful. I think I got it right by accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's a long-term inflammation of the joints of the spine, and you had Mm -hmm. to have surgery. Uh, Was it then that you decided to go to Columbia for undergrad? And why did you decide to do that? Wow. My journey has been very interesting. Uh, Yes, when I was 19, actually, my issues didn't start with my spine, although this autoimmune disease usually is categorized by issues in the spine and the pelvis. Hmm. Um, I remember I was dancing with Dance Theater of Harlem. It was my third year with them. And I was performing uh, featured roles and touring around the world. And I remember we were preparing for a season at the Kennedy Center. And during that rehearsal period, my knee would just blow up. Like, it would be full of fluid. And I went to see, at that time, uh, Dr. Rose. Donald Rose Mm -hmm. was uh, my doctor. And he saw a lot of uh, dancers. And he would drain my knee and there would be this huge syringe of fluid and he'd send it in for biopsy to make sure there wasn't anything going on. And then he'd just send me back to work because I really wasn't in pain. It just would swell up. It was so weird. So that happened twice. And then the third time we completed the Kennedy center season. I'm from Mm -hmm. Maryland. So I was essentially home with my family and that last performance, I just said, there's something wrong. I now I'm starting to feel pain in my knee. And so I, I, I got an MRI and it showed a small tail, tear in the cartilage. And so we thought, oh, well, there's the source of the problem. And 
it will be an easy arthroscopic surgery. We'll just clean up the edges and you'll be back dancing in four to six weeks. So I did. I went in. I had the surgery. And what turned into what should have been a four to six week recovery turned into a year long uh, battle trying to figure out what was happening with my body. So my knee, uh, when I came out of surgery, of course it was swollen, but then it continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I couldn't start PT because the knee was so big that it just, there's nothing that we could have done that would have been useful you know, to get it uh, moving. And then my ankle blew up and I hadn't even been moving. And then my hip started to hurt. And so I had this year of just complete deterioration. And so even though nothing came up in the biopsies of the fluid, I started to go see various rheumatologists to figure out what was happening because obviously something systemic was happening. Mm -hmm. And it took me about a year and a half to find the diagnosis. I was young. Ankylosing spondylitis tends to be, um, affect older people. It tends Mm -hmm. not to affect people of color. Um, there were so many things and some doctors, when they saw me just said, Oh, you're stressed or it's like psychological. It was Mm. so difficult. I was at the height of my career at the time. So just dealing with all that. How did you end up recovering from ankylosing spondylitis? Yeah, so we finally found a doctor, actually my cousin. My first cousin is a rheumatologist, and he brought a team of doctors together to look at all my labs, to hear my sort of testimony of where I was feeling pain, all of the different symptoms, and that's when I was diagnosed So we knew it was in the rheumatoid arthritis family. And a lot of those medications, even if the diagnosis isn't completely correct, uh, the medications work on all of those. And what are the medications? There are several. So I started with a really strong medication called sulfasalazine. uh, And then I switched to a medication called methotrexate. And I was like losing my hair. And then I started traumatic for a teenager, uh, for a teenager. And I was trying to live on my own in New York. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, And then I landed on a medication called Humira. There's a lot of commercials Mm -hmm. about Humira. Yes, I've seen them. Um, And that really seemed to help take the inflammation away. And a woman named Lorraine Graves, who was a principal dancer at Dance of Harlem before my time. Her brother was a professional football player. And she said, I want to take you to a place called the Houston Medical Clinic in Georgia. They see all of these football players. And he'll have a team of doctors to take a look at your ankle, your knee, and all the things and put together a plan for you. By that time, everything in atrophied. I had like no muscle. My foot was still killing me. Like it was just not good. So basically they found a cyst in my foot that had developed because of working around inflammation for so long. They had to tighten the ligaments in my knee. And then I was on a pretty intense regimen of PT. So by that time I had been out for a year and I just thought I'm working against myself, trying to fight to be a dancer. 
and I'm work. It, it's not working for me right now. And I don't know, you know, sometimes the stars just align or the gods speak to you or something. And I just thought maybe it's time to figure out what else I'm good at. And did that feel good to make that jump or were you scared or sad? It was terrifying because I grew up as a dancer. If anybody Mm. asked me, Alicia, what do you do? Who are you? I'm Alicia. I'm a dancer. That's how I identified. Right. And I was trying to support myself in New York city and to be a part of the, the, the dance world, such a tight knit community. It just reminded me of what I was not doing. Mm. So I had to just remove myself altogether just to save my, my mental health. Really. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I enrolled in one school. I enrolled at, uh, well, I applied, sorry. I applied to one school. (laughs) Thankfully I, I got in, uh, I applied through the School of General Studies, which they take uh, non-traditional students so that you have to have had a break between high school and applying to college. Mm-hmm. And they really celebrated that I had been a dancer and I had, you know, kind of had a, a life before coming to college. But when I started school, I could be a whole nother person. I had never had a social life before. I never had a boyfriend. I never went out. And it was just a whole time for new discovery. That's incredible. Yeah. By the time I started school, I was under, I was in an undergraduate program. Um, and I wasn't that much older than most of the undergraduates. So I felt like I could really have a college experience. Mm. I didn't know what I was going to study. I knew that I enjoyed reading and I was a decent writer. So I concentrated first in uh, history, thinking maybe that would be somewhere where I landed. And in fact, that's what I ended up majoring in. Uh, I think I declared in my second year. And when you finished at Columbia, Arthur Mitchell, who is the founder of Dance Theater of Harlem, offered you a principal dancer contract. Why did you take that contract after joining the world of academia? What about dancing brought you back? Wow. Yeah. So I went to Columbia for three years. I was also supporting myself. So I was like, I cannot be here for four years. I can't afford it. So I have to (laughs) try to finish double up and finish early because, you know, it just comes down to, to finances. And so in my last year, my senior year, uh, I started getting the itch. Hmm. I'll back up just really quickly. When I first uh, started at Columbia, I was in this psychology class and it was a, a huge class, like a 200 person kind of class that was in an auditorium. And so this guy walked in late and he had a pair of jazz sneakers on and like some track <laughs> pants. And I was like, who is this person? So listeners, uh, jazz sneakers are a pair of essentially sneakers that are split sole and they are predominantly worn in dance studios and they're a sort of studio to street dance shoe. Right. And not something that you would normally see a college student wear. So he sat right in front of me. And so I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, are you a dancer? 
And he said, yes, I have a company here on campus. I said, oh, okay. And then he turned to me and said, are you a dancer? And I said, oh, I used to be, you know, very humble. I used to be a dancer. I used to do that. <laughs> so he said, well, maybe you'll come to see one of my rehearsals. I said, okay. Uh, so he was directing a praise dance ministry. And I had no idea what that was. Uh, I grew up in a, a very spiritual household, but my mom is Christian and my dad is Jewish. But I hadn't really thought about who I was in terms of religion. So I went to this mm. praise dance ministry rehearsal and I just cried to see these dancers, many of them who had not had, you know, formal dance training, mm. just worshiping with their bodies in that way. And I was in a space where I really couldn't use my body. And so that group became my social circle. And so wow. for two years, I was thanking God for the gifts that I had been given and, you know, expressing myself through movement and really not even using my legs, but just using a lot of gesture and yeah. interpreting the music. And so in my senior year, my body started feeling really good. And I thought I could take class, but class here is very expensive per credit. I should just yeah. go to steps and take class. <laughs> And listeners, Steps is a, a very famous dance studio on the Upper West Side. And you can take ballet, jazz, tap, hip-hop, acrobatics, whatever. They have it. So if you are interested in taking dance classes in New York City, check out Steps. Sorry, go on. Yes. Yeah, it's a great it's a great place. And uh, it was the place where you see all the professional dancers in the advanced ballet classes in the morning there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just started, well, I went to take ballet class just thinking I'm just fulfilling this itch. I just want to dance for, for me. Like I said, I was in college body. <laughs> I was not trying to impress <laughs> anyone, but so I went to the 1030 class and someone who I had worked with, one of the Valentine trust um, stagers was teaching and no, I went through the motions. And then at the end of class, she's like, oh, it's so good to see you, Alicia. You haven't lost everything. But <laughs> With a pointed glance. Oh, my gosh. I was so devastated. And I wanted to explain myself, right? I wanted to mm. be like, well, I haven't been dancing. And, you know, and I, I, I didn't do that. I just put my head down. I said, <laughs> thank you. Nice to see you. And I am never coming back to ballet at 1030 at Steps ever again. <laughs> Uh, so I went to the three o'clock class thinking mm -hmm. at that time, there'll be no professional dancers. Uh, they'll all be in rehearsals. So nobody mm -hmm. will be there. And I saw on the wall, uh, modern, modern class. And the teacher's name was Myers, the last name. Mm -hmm. And so I went into class and it was Milton Myers, who is one of uh, the world's uh, leading Horton Technique Teachers. Mm -hmm. He is also the resident teacher of the Alvin Ailey Company. And I just loved his class. It was so physical. It was so musical. His energy was awesome. So I ended up going two times a week to take Modern with Milton because it felt really good. And that was yeah. it. That was the only motivation. But anyway, I start to fall back in love with movement. And I realized yeah. my body felt really strong. Uh, and so I started taking more classes. I 
gain more confidence to start taking more ballet. Uh-huh. You know, I had to figure out how to earn money while I was in school. Yeah. And so I applied for a program called Inroads, and it's a program for college students of color who are looking to work in corporate America. So you apply to be part of this program. And if you're selected, they place you in internships all around the city. So in my first year at Columbia, I got into this program and I was placed at JP Morgan. So for my three years uh, at Columbia, even though I was a history major, I worked in the corporate marketing department of JP Morgan. And so (laughs) I was just discovering so much about Mm. the world, about life, about what I liked, what I didn't like, what I was good at, just even how to dress. I mean, I went to work in sweatpants every day as a dancer. I had to wear a suit to this internship over the summer. And then they hired me part-time during the year so I could continue to to work. Oh, that's wonderful. New York City is very expensive. (laughs) Oh, yes. I can't even tell you the place where I lived. I didn't live uh, on campus, but... Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) So when I was graduating, I called Complexions Contemporary Ballet. And I Mm -hmm. said to Dwight Roden, their Mm -hmm. director or co-director, that I have now experience in marketing. And if you need anyone to intern over the summer before I start working at J.P. Morgan full-time, because I've signed a full-time contract with them, upon graduation, I I would love to work with you all and help you with whatever you need. Mm. And Desmond and Dwight called me and they said, well, we heard that you're over at steps taking class and looking amazing. And while it would be awesome to have you as a marketing person, we just had an injury and we need somebody to learn some movement quickly and go on tour to Italy with us for the summer. (laughs) so I was like well I don't know how it's gonna go I haven't been dancing like that but if I don't have to put the point shoes on I think I could do it and it just happened so quickly I found my body like my best body dancing Mm. body immediately I don't know what it was it was a combination of the rep And like the Italy sun, Mm -hmm. we were performing outside most of the summer and all these festivals. And it just like put me in a place where I started to trust my body again. Mm. And I said to my parents, I know I've just signed this contract to work at JP Morgan, but I really feel like I want to try to dance. And they were mortified because I had been through such a difficult time with my mental health and my physical health. And they were like, are you sure? I don't Mm. know. You've already gone through so much with your body. And I said, you know, I'll just try it. Even if it's for less than a year and I find myself, you know, in a place that it's not good, then I have my degree and I can figure it out. Exactly. That's really inspiring. Yeah. And so I went to Arthur Mitchell because I loved working with complexions, but I felt like I needed to finish what I had started. Yeah. You know, with my time at Dance Suit of Harlem. And he was so wonderful, always so good to me. 
And I said, I, I just would like to to come back. I'll come back as a core member. I haven't even really put on point shoes. And he said, you take your time and you're going to come back as a principal dancer. It's <laughs> like, this man is out of his mind, but okay. It was like magic that everything just came together very, very quickly. So I had to resend my signing bonus and my contract, JP Morgan. And I was so afraid to have that conversation. Mm. And what my um, manager said to me was, I wish that I had had an opportunity like that, a big dream. Mm. You you have all your life, your whole life to do this sort of work. So go Mm -hmm. out and do the thing. And then you let me know how it goes. Yeah, I agree with your manager. That is a beautiful, beautiful, inspiring story. Yeah. So I I ended up going back to Dance State of Harlem. I had the best year of my life. I was performing Serenade and Concerto Barocco. Uh, I was performing contemporary works like Return by Robert Garland. I was doing classic sort of uh, rep that the Dance State of Harlem had, like Dougla and Firebird. It was Mm -hmm. awesome. We were performing to sold out houses. We were dancing in the UK. Remember uh, in the spring, let's see, 2004. And then all of a sudden I was like, wasn't today payday? I just went to that random, you know, computer lab because at that time people weren't walking around with laptops. Do you remember those places? You know, you'd go on tour and you'd have to find a little computer. Internet internet cafe. An internet cafe. There you go. And I was like, I didn't get paid today. Did you get paid today? (laughs) Uh, Asking my, uh, you know, my, my colleagues. And so it was announced in May that the company was closing due to financial issues. And it was so devastating for me. Uh, personally for my uh, colleagues, because, you know, May is not the time that you're really auditioning for, for work. By that time, most people have signed their contracts. So here we're almost 50 predominantly black dancers, ballet dancers out of work. And I just thought, how could it have gotten that bad that they had to shut down? And that got me really thinking about the administrative aspects of the arts. And from what I had learned from my time at J.P. Morgan, now I'm starting to kind of put some pieces together and realize that I really wanted to dive into ideas around arts administration, Mm. corporate social giving, sponsorships, community service and outreach, which JP Morgan did a really great job sponsoring arts, arts education and that sort of thing. So I, I missed uh, like about a year of opportunity. And I ended up in that year going back and working with complexions part-time and also with lines ballet part-time that had an injury. And so I was going back and forth between companies And I thought, these companies are wonderful, but at the time, neither offered health insurance. 
Mm. And with my health situation, I needed to be in a situation that I knew I could take care of my body and I wouldn't go broke. (laughs) I mean, just that my medication alone was so expensive without insurance. Yeah. And so I said, this is, this is great, but I think I really want to try to land in a place where I'm living in New York Mm -hmm. and I can experience a full repertory and really kind of go out with a bang. <laughs> and so I auditioned for Ailey and I got, I got into Alvin Ailey American dance theater in 2005 and I had a ball. It was so different from yeah. anything that I was used to as uh, someone who, whose background is in classical ballet. And what were some of the biggest differences for you? You know, when I was younger, I trained in everything. Modern, jazz. There was no hip hop at the time because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> so there was no hip, like formal hip hop dance classes. The hip hop you did was in the basement parties on the street. That was what we did. So when I joined Alvin Ailey, the, the biggest difference for me was the, the work in bare feet. It was Mm. so hard because I was so used to working in a slipper or a point shoe. Mm -hmm. And now I was being asked to do very similar movements because Ailey's choreography is very uh, technically based. Yeah. They used to say that Alvin looked for dancers that had church on the bottom and a party on the top. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) Meaning that they were very technically refined dancers, um, but had a very free use of the torso, the upper body, but they were barefoot and I had no sort of callus on the bottom of my foot. So I would just get stuck on the floor. I just navigating that was a challenge. So I ended up basically making a shoe out of tape. (laughs) My, my colleagues, still make fun of me, but I would tape the bottom of my foot. Like the, what kind of tape were you using? It was called Elasticon. Elasticon. It sounds like a party or like a convention or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I don't even know what sort of material it's made of, Hmm. but basically if you heat it, if you take a lighter and you heat it, it gets a little warm and you stick it to your foot and it sticks. It will not come off. Wow. So you put the elasticon on the bottom of your foot. And then I had to tape my my big toe and my second toe together so I could turn. But then I had to tape my pinky toe and my fourth toe together because I have a very high demi point, meaning like when you go on half toe. And my pinky toe would get caught underneath. So I had to tape it so it wouldn't get caught underneath. <laughs> You had to bring it along for the ride. Yes, <laughs> I had to bring it along for the ride. That was the hardest part. And also, because I was a known dancer, when the first reviews came out, it was always about how can she transition into a modern dancer? And that conversation mm. went on and on and on and on. So those kind of things were difficult. And what were your relationships to reviews at the time. Um, I personally don't like to read reviews anymore. I feel very comfortable in who I am as a dancer and I'm not Mm -hmm. interested in the validation or the tearing down of my work. Um, At that point in your career, where were you when 
things like that were being said about you? Yeah, I had a lot of very positive uh, feedback and very positive reviews uh, starting my career at Ailey and some not so positive. (laughs) I think it was nothing that I used to judge myself against, but Mm. uh, it it was recognition. And I think because I had gone through so much, it was an affirmation like, okay, I'm here. It's in the paper. I'm yeah. here. So uh, that that was okay for me. I read that you auditioned for American Ballet Theater as well. Can you tell me about that experience? When Dance Theater of Harlem closed, I was feeling so strong in my work. And I felt like I wanted to try to at least audition and pursue opportunities in classical ballet because that's what I was doing. And... I had been taking classes, open classes at ABT sometimes throughout that, mm-hmm. uh, throughout my time at, with Dan State of Harlem. And I, I was a huge Willie Berman student. Uh, he was a, a teacher at Steps who taught many professional dancers from New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater and Dan State of Harlem. And someone suggested you should reach out and put a press packet together and uh, request an audition which I did, um, but I was never granted an audition. They wrote back and said, um, you know, we love your dancing, but it's not the right time. And you are very tall, taller than most of our dancers. So I said, okay. Hmm. Um, It wasn't a a huge like blow or anything like that. I knew it was a reach to reach out to the company to request an audition at that time. Why do you feel like like it was a reach? Well, I I think that it wasn't, the right timing in some ways. And because I had attended the summer program and I really didn't get a lot of attention in the summer program Mm -hmm. and I was in a pretty low level, I just didn't feel like I was someone that they were interested in, in working with in that way. But I I figured, you know, put myself out there. I should, Mm -hmm. right. I had these great reviews from uh, some of the rep that the company performed. So I included those reviews um, in in this packet mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't work out and, and that was okay for me. Um, and I did the same for New York City Ballet and I basically received the same response. So. Yeah, so I, I too did the ABT summer programs and I was in the third lowest level out of I think seven or 10 levels mm-hmm. uh, for two mm-hmm. years in a row. And they were not interested in me for the longest time. And it took me 10 years after being a professional to get an audition with ABT that actually turned into a job. (laughs) Um, So I understand how timing really matters. Um, What do you mean uh, it wasn't the right time? What about your situation meant it wasn't the right time? Yeah, I think uh, several things. It is true. I'm very tall. I'm 5'10" which is very tall for a ballerina. And then on point, I'm, you know, 6'2", 6'3". And so uh, I don't know if there were men tall enough in the company at that time to partner me. I can't remember exactly who was in the company in the core or as a demi-soloist that I I could actually kind of uh, compare to as a, uh, with my height. There were no women of color in the company at all um, at the time. Eric Underwood 
had just started dancing there. I think he was the only man of color at that time. Eric and I grew up together uh, mm. in the D.C. area. You know, you never know why. Uh, and I have not leaned on race and height in my life because I feel like if it's not meant to be, it's just not meant to be. Hmm. And I don't want to fight against something. I just really want to work and dance and not have to prove myself in any way. Hmm. And so I felt very lucky to be hired by the Ailey company and work under Judith Jamison was the artistic director at the time who was a very tall woman. Uh, She started as a classical ballet dancer. I felt like she was a director who saw me for my gifts and I didn't have to change a thing. And I love that Mm. idea. So that's why I say it was okay. And I, I think everything happens for a reason. And I definitely landed in the place that I was meant to be. That's ideal. Really. We all just want to be where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, you moved to you moved to St. Louis to study uh, an MA in nonprofit management at Washington University, which is so misleading to me that uh, a university <laughs> called Washington University is in St. Louis. But uh, what brought you back to school? Yes, yeah, so I always say, well, I danced for Ailey for three years, and it was awesome. But my uh, autoimmune disorder started to flare up and it became Mm. increasingly more difficult to manage the swelling while touring. And Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater is one of the world's most touringist, if that's a word, company. (laughs) Uh, We would perform about 250 to 300 performances in a year. Uh, In a week, we would do eight eight performances Mm. Uh, and sometimes nine if there was a a community performance. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I've made it to 30 years old as a professional dancer, having never thought I would dance after the age of 19. Mm. And I'm okay. Like I fulfilled everything that I wanted to do as a dancer. So I tell people that I moved to St. Louis to go to school, which is what I did. But I actually moved to St. Louis to see about a guy. Because, oh. <laughs> yes, I I uh, had started um, dating someone that I had been in college who I was not friends with at the time in college. But I knew him, Kirby Mack, who is now my husband. Um, but he was living Plot in twist. St. Louis. Plot <laughs> twist. And we had been in a relationship for about two years, almost my whole time with Ailey. And doing long distance because I was touring. He lived in St. Mm. Louis. I was in New York. And so when I finally decided that it was time to retire, uh, I moved to St. Louis. I told my parents to go back to school, which I did. I'm glad it worked out. And you have two beautiful children now. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I went back to, I went to St. Louis. I studied Nonprofit management. Well, now you know why I have this interest in arts administration. Mm -hmm. Again, to support myself while I was living in St. Louis, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I ended up teaching at a school called uh, COCA, which stands for Center of Creative Arts. And it's a, a nonprofit, a community arts center that has a very strong pre professional dance program. Hmm. And so 
I started teaching middle school age students when I got there. They had me teaching jazz, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I'm not a jazz How teacher fun. or a jazz dancer. Yeah, but I guess that's what was available at the time. So I was like, okay, well, I'll I'll do that. And so I told the students, I said, I teach Horton. So we just did Horton to like pop music and that worked. It's it kind <laughs> oh, of jazzy. That sounds really fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I was working, um, doing marketing for the dance division of Univer- uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to get some experience in that way. And all the while I was trying to find work in arts administration, but nobody would hire me. I think people saw me as a dancer and it was hard for small town St. Louis mentality to kind of get their mind around that this dancer wants to sit at a desk Mm. and like do this thing. I don't know. It's very strange. And that brings you to education. And I am so curious about the process uh, for applying for the job of director of dance at Juilliard. What does that look like? Ooh, yes. So that was a, a, a very interesting process. I had been teaching then in the university, um, Webster University in St. Louis. I was adjuncting at Washington University in St. Louis. And so I was getting experience as a professor of dance. Mm. And I realized that I found my niche in higher education with the college age student. One, because I didn't have to talk to parents. That was really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Teaching young people and then like kind of having to manage their expectations and having to manage parents' expectations. That was something I didn't really enjoy. (laughs) But it was fun to work with college age students because they were committed. You know, they were on the kind of precipice of their careers and it felt urgent. And I like being in that place Mm. with them, that part of their life. And so I had a mentor. I have a mentor, Sharon Luckman, who was the executive director of Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. I kind Mm. of shadowed her. I picked her brain all the time because Ailey was such a thriving dance company. And Mm. I always wanted to figure out how she did it, how she raised money for this huge, amazing building in the middle of New York City and how the company was thriving. Sharon said, did you know that they're looking for a new dean and director of the dance division at the Juilliard School. And I was like, oh, that's great. I thought she was calling to ask for recommendations uh, of people who I thought would be Mm. uh, ideal. And she said, no, no, I think you should apply. I was like, Sharon, first of all, I just had a second baby. Like Layla was maybe six months at the time, eight Mm. months. At the time she called, my son was not even two. And I was trying to make a life so that my husband could then have freedom with his career because he had always allowed me to go off and do all the things I wanted to do. Hmm. And even in marriage, I went back to Ailey for three years before coming back and having uh, my kids. So I thought, you know, I want to be stable at home so he can do the things that he wants to do and fulfill his dreams. So I said to Kirby, I was like, 
Sharon called me and she said that there's this position. She thinks that I should apply. I don't think it's a good idea. I won't ever get this job. What do you think? And he said, you should just try, just do it for the experience. Okay, fine. (laughs) So it was an open, like national, even international search. And I submitted my information online, just like everyone else. And I got through the first round, which I thought was amazing. And very interestingly, Damien Wetzel, who was at that time going through the process also of becoming president of the Juilliard School. And Damien Wetzel is a former principal dancer star of New York City Ballet and mm-hmm. also the artistic director of the Vale International Dance Festival. Right. And he is this incredible producer who is often asked to pull together programs. And he was working at the Kennedy Center and through the Obama administration. And so, again, the universe works in amazing ways. During this time, I had had my second baby, and Arthur Mitchell was dedicating his archives to Columbia University. He knew he was near the end of his life. He was sick. So he dedicated his archives, and Columbia wanted to put together a performance in his honor. So he Mm -hmm. asked me to come back and perform, which I did. I I would never say no to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I performed, and Heather Watts was there in the audience. Heather Watts is Damien Wetzel's wife, who was also a star of New York City Ballet Mm -hmm. and who used to dance with Arthur Mitchell in New York City Ballet. So she came to see the performance. She said to Damien, did you know Alicia is dancing? And, uh, you know, she looks pretty good. So (laughs) Damien was hired to put together the program at the Kennedy Center Honors for Carmen de Lavalade who is my absolute idol. He called me and asked, can you come and dance in honor of Carmen de Lavalade, learn her rep and perform while she receives her Kennedy Center honor. So we went through that whole process. And I said to Damien on the last day, I was so nervous. I was like, "Um, I probably will never get this thing, but just in case it comes across your desk, I want you to know, like from my mouth, that I actually applied for the position of dean and director of the dance division. I don't know if you have anything to do Mm. with any of that at the time, but I just didn't want him to see my application and him wonder, why didn't she mention anything when I had just seen her, you know, a month earlier, what have you. Yeah. Then I did the second round of interviews, which was so interesting because- I had a stint in Houston. Again, we, I was moving on in my life so my husband could do his thing. So we had just moved to Houston for his work. And they didn't want to fly me to New York, which made sense because there were so many people in the second round. And so we did essentially a Zoom call, which at that time, mm-hmm. Zoom didn't even exist. It was called Blue Jeans. Have you ever used this platform? No. No, I had never used it before. It was just like a conference, uh, video conferencing platform. So uh, I prepared. They gave me some questions in advance. And I remember being like, okay, it's got to be like a performance. And again, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to get this job. So let me just put my all into it. 
be completely honest. But, you know, I know how to kind of like stage things. So I had my ring light. And again, this was way before the pandemic. This is 2017. I had like my business gear on. I had track pants on because they weren't (laughs) going to ever see my legs. Um, And they asked me, you know, questions about where I thought the school uh, could benefit. And, you know, I had not been part of the Juilliard community. I wasn't an alum but I had been part now for about five years of the, of dance and higher education. And I saw where students were not receiving the experiences that they need to, to prepare themselves for the field. So I just talked from experience and I, you know, concentrated on equity, diversity, diversity, and inclusion, which is something that's very important to me as a dancer and as a person. Mm-hmm. And I was really honest. And then I was asked to come actually to the Juilliard School for a third round of interviews. And so it was a very rigorous process. It kind of felt like a hazing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And I received a call from Damien to say, the board and the faculty and our senior staff have decided that you will be our next director. And I was just beside myself. That's incredible. And you started in 2018, right? Yes. I started in the fall of 2018. Wow. That's a wild ride. I'm so excited to see uh, what else you achieve in your life. I feel like you are a person who does not waste any opportunities. And I'm so inspired by that. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks. This is great. (laughs) I hope we can uh, hang out very soon, IRL. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe and review this podcast. And if you like it, Share it with your friends or on social media. You can follow me on all social platforms by searching James Whiteside. My book, Center Center, a funny, sexy, sad, almost memoir, is available everywhere in all formats. Front Row uses music from the song A-flat by Black Violin. Check out the show notes on jamesbwhiteside.com for exclusive video and audio from this podcast. This podcast.